When we lived in St. Louis uh, while attending the seminary there, uh, there were a lot of really fun things and uh, fun things to do and cool things to see in St. Louis. Uh, one of our favorite places to go was a place called the City Museum. And it's kind of difficult to, uh, to describe it, but if I had to, I would say it's kind of like a playground for adults as well as kids. So there was a lot of things to do. There was an old, like, seven-story building where they used to make shoes, and they renovated it and turned it into this amazing place. Uh, a few of the things that I remember from there. On the roof, they had a hollowed-out airplane that was suspended, and you could climb through it. Uh, here's a picture of that. They also had a, a, a Ferris wheel on the rooftop of this seven-story building. Then I remember seeing they had a, a slide that went from like the fourth floor down to the first floor. It was pretty cool. They also had slides that when you went down them, you didn't know where you were going. <laughs> Made groups kind of interesting, you know, coordinating where to be. There were a ton of fun things about the city museum, but one thing that stands out most is I remember there would be a few places that I would want to go but I didn't know how to get there. I wanted to go there. I could see that there were people there, so I knew that you could go there. But if I went the way that I thought was the way there, I would end up somewhere completely different. I wanted to get there, but I didn't have the ability to get there. In Romans 7, Paul has a somewhat similar situation. He sees, he knows the good that he wants to do but he can't always get there. And on the inverse, he knows the evil that he shouldn't do, but he finds that frequently. We're going to dive into this passage from Romans 7 that really applies to all Christians. We're going to talk about Paul in Romans and, and see how it applies to us as well. So in Romans, Paul talks a lot about the law of God. And I want to as well. But when we hear the word law, do you typically have a, a good reaction? Well, I think probably like 95 to 97 percent of people living in the world are like good law-abiding citizens. I don't think people tend to have a positive reaction when hearing about laws, right? Oftentimes laws or, or even rules are restrictive, right? They're limiting how we want to live our lives at times. But laws, or rules at the core, are good. Even if they don't always feel good. For example, last week going to and coming home from vacation in Tennessee, having a crying baby in the back, having two young kids who wanted to get out of the car, back aching, I wanted to drive about 80, 85 miles an hour on the highway. But more often than not, the law said 65 miles an hour. It was frustrating. I felt limited by the law. I wanted to go faster. Now, if you've ever been running late or been on a trip, you probably know this as well. What about God's laws? They can feel restricting and frustrating at times, right? And that's a common criticism you hear from non-Christians. Oh, you Christians, you have such boring lives. 
You guys are just a bunch of rule followers. At times, God's law, uh, God's laws don't feel good, right? At times, they can feel like they're just rules for the sake of rules. Well, going back to the example of the speed limit, there are people who, uh, the people who made the speed limit, they probably know a few things that I don't, right? They know the layout. They know the circumstances better than I do. In fact, maybe there were even people who thought that they could go faster and got into accidents, and that's why they made the speed limit what they did in the first place. The law itself was good. While I've been driving for hours with crying kids in the back, it doesn't feel good. Feels like, oh, I want to be able to go faster. But the law itself is designed to protect people. And it's based on a greater knowledge and understanding of the circumstances than I have. The same applies to God's laws. God's laws are good. Now, they don't always feel good, especially when we're outside of them. But they're designed to protect us. And they're based upon God's greater knowledge and understanding of things. God's law is good. Another way to think about it is God's law is how he wants, wants things to go. How things should go in order for there to be a good relationship between God and man and good relationships between man and man. The law is good. We heard this in our reading. Paul says in Romans, and, and David says in the Psalms, how they love the law of the Lord. To love the law of the Lord is to love how things should be. The problem is, as Paul says, is sin. And it's really interesting the language that he uses. In verse 14, he says that he is sold as a slave to sin. A commentary I found says that here, sin is depicted as a personal force that takes hold of a man's life and controls him. I'm going to repeat that. Sin here is depicted as a personal force that takes hold of a man's life and controls it. So sin takes a person away from God's law, away from God's will, away from how God wants that person to be living. But the interesting thing is, Paul was writing this letter, Romans, as a Christian. Christ has already set him free. He is no longer a slave to sin. But sin as a slave master leaves its effects on its slaves that can't be escaped. Paul talks about that. He says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. I've heard stories about people who have lost a limb, and when they've lost it in a traumatic or a painful way, even when they don't have the limb, they experience what's called phantom pain. So the limb isn't there, but they still experience its effects. We are free. We no longer are a slave to sin, but we feel its effects too. 
Paul is wrestling with the struggle that we as Christians all face. There is an inner war in us at all times. We long as Christians to love the law of God, to love God's will, to obey God's will. And there are some days with the help of the Holy Spirit that we actually do a somewhat decent job of that. But man, there are so many days when it's like, I know this isn't what God wants me to do. Yet, yet I keep doing it. I want to do good, but there are times that it is just easier or more convenient or more self-satisfying to do the thing that I know I shouldn't. It truly is a battle of our two natures, our sinful nature and our forgiven nature. Like at the city museum, we can see where we want to go, but not always be able to get there. You see, God has put his law on our hearts. It's what our conscience is. And he's also given us his Ten Commandments. We know the will of our Father. But let me ask you this. Have any of you ever done something wrong that you knew was wrong? Or have you ever done something more than once? More than twice? three times or more? I mean, that doesn't sound, uh, that doesn't seem to be the actions of someone who knows and loves God's law. We know God tells us to keep him first. That's his very first commandment. We know that. But how often does our phone become our God? The thing that we delight in most. The thing that we go to when we get bad news. The thing that we go to when we are in uh, times of need or when we've had a long, hard day. We know the third commandment. God tells us to rest our bodies, but also to find rest in him. We are to love God's word, not, not hate it. Yet how often is it that when our schedule starts to get a little bit squeezed, time with God is the first thing cut. Whether it's in prayer, in his word, or being in worship. We know the sixth commandment, respecting God's gift of sexuality. We know we're only supposed to have eyes for our own spouse, or if we're not married, to wait for God's timing for a spouse. But it can be so easy to let an innocent glance turn into a lustful gaze as someone attractive walks by. We know the eighth commandment, protecting the gift of a good reputation. You know, we are called to defend our neighbor's reputation. But man, there is something so exhilarating about being the one to share that juicy, hot gossip. These are just a few examples, and they don't begin to touch the surface of how we regularly break God's law. And that's just on the negative side, but what about the good that we desire to do but fail? right? Failing to help someone in need. Failing to stand up for those who are having injustices done against them. Failing to speak the truth of God's word in love. I think we can all relate with Paul when he says, wretched man that I am. Paul, as well as us, have been set free from sin. 
yet we still see the effects of sin in our everyday life. This is a conflict that we as Christians deal with. Maybe you've heard this Latin term before, simul justus et peccator. This is something that Luther talked about. It means that we are simultaneously saint and sinner. So that means every day of your life, you are 100% a saint, but you're also 100% a sinner. All the time, every day of your life. I mean, this whole section of Romans 7 is a lot of bad news, right? It's a lot of looking at yourself and realizing, I don't measure up. God's standard is way up there, and I'm way down here. In verse 24, Paul asks, who will rescue me from this body of death? In other words, who is going to rescue me from sin? And after a whole chapter of, of bad news, there's one verse of good news. Verse 25, Paul says, Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ my Lord. That one verse is the answer to all that bad news, to all uh, the despair and to looking at all of your failure. Thanks be to God for Jesus. Jesus has freed us from our sins. So even though we fail to do the good that we know we should and we do the evil we know we shouldn't, thank God for Jesus. And so as Christians, we deal with these two natures. The, our sinful nature, which is opposed to God's law, but then our forgiven nature, which creates in us the desire to love God's law. Both of those are true at the same time. There's a tension. But thank God for Jesus. Not, as, not only has he paid the price for our sin, not only has he kept God's law perfectly for you, but again, he also brings you to the desire to do and follow God's will. So as saint sinners, you will have days where you do the evil you don't want. But there will also be days that, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you actually do some of the good you want. But I'm going to let you in on a little secret maybe you've not heard before. You will never have a perfect day in your life. Not one day will you have that is perfect. But thank God for Jesus. He saved you. He works through you even though you will never have a perfect day in your life. Here are the two main takeaways. First, your sin, whether it is done unknowingly or you do it willfully and intentionally, when you bring them before Jesus, are forgiven. No matter how great, no matter how egregious, they're forgiven. Second, you are simultaneously a saint and a sinner. And your sinful nature will not leave you alone. You are going to be fighting the temptation to sin every single day of your earthly life but you are also a saint. And God has given you his very will in part to fight and resist the temptation to sin, to do the good that God would have you do. So fight! Be in prayer that God would help you resist the temptation to sin. Be in his word so that you may not only learn to better love his word, but also to love his law. 
Hate your sin so much that when you break God's law, it breaks your heart. Seek to do the good that God would have you do. That is how you fight against your sinful nature, by relying on Jesus. Thanks be to God for Jesus who frees us from our sin, who gives us new life and gives us the promise and hope of eternal life. Amen. Lord God, we do thank you for Jesus. Lord, if it was up to us, we would we'd have no hope. God, we ask that you would help to strengthen us to, to seek to do the good that you would have us to do and to flee from evil, to avoid it like it is the death that it is. God, give us the strength and the ability only through your spirit, not in our own strength, only through your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' precious name.